0: Welcome to the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider, a podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by The Growery, simplifying sales growth, and Gorilla Technology, your proactive IT support partner. Welcome to episode three of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Ben Rose, and today we're talking to Dion Nash, former international cricketer and GM and founder at global skincare brand Triumph and Disaster. Triumph and Disaster was born in 2011 after Dion developed a passion for skincare as a result of many years playing professional sport and exposing his skin to long days in the sun and wind. With a name inspired by Rudyard Kipling's poem It, today Triumph and Disaster operates on a global scale and is sold by hundreds of hotels and salons around the world. Many of our listeners may know Dion from his days playing for New Zealand in Test and One Day International Cricket. He represented NZ for nearly a decade, including a stint as captain before retiring in 2001. He was also one of the national team selectors at New Zealand Cricket for four years. And if that wasn't enough, Dion was previously general manager of 420 Springwater, marketing manager at Charlie's, and before starting Triumph and Disaster, he was the global marketing director at a little place called 42 Below. Thank you for joining us, Dion.
1: Thanks a lot. <laughs> that sounds very glamorous when you put it like that, but uh, yeah, maybe a bit different in reality.
0: So so talk, so talk me through it. How, how does starting off in uh, sport qualify you to launch a uh, skin brand?
1: Ah, oh, Well, it was, um, mo- like most things, driven out of necessity. I was, um, as you say, in my last job I, I had that very grand title of uh, marketing director. Um, Sounds awesome 42 below Yeah (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which which was It was a fantastic job For a couple of years I was basically Flying around the world Business class And you know Visiting bars And restaurants And doing ad agency stuff For for Bacardi Under the For the brand of 42 It was a fantastic
0: That um, sounds like a nightmare Yeah
1: (laughs) Well you know It was um, At the end of it They asked me to move to London To do it all And based out of London Right I just had a young family And I just You know I'd lived in England And I did sort of Felt like it was a step, even though it was a great career move potentially, it just yep. felt like if I was going to step out of corporate life, it was now or never. Mm-hmm. It was just mm-hmm. sort of a breaking point. So. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I'd learnt under the founders at 42 Below before it was bought by Bacardi is that's really where I cut my teeth on business. I, you know, right. They taught me Business 101, you know, and it was really that entrepreneurial spirit, the startup, and yeah, the vigor yeah, yeah. Of, of a young business taking on the world. And I sort of missed that. Um, I learned a lot in the corporate role, I really did. I sort of learned what I knew in a weird way. Um, you know, big, Sometimes just understanding the language and un- yeah, realizing yeah. that you actually know what you're talking about and gives you that confidence. Um, so, you know, um, both parts were important, but yeah, I, I guess the only thing that really scared me um, was the idea of putting into practice for real what I thought I'd learned yep, um, yep. you know, and starting out. Doing it myself, so and no safety net. No safety net. Yeah. Well, I yeah exactly. It's exactly. I've used that analogy a lot, and and, and actually, in fact, the the one I do use is the old cricket analogy. Of it's it's a little bit like I I felt like I'd been playing in the in the nets, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'd learnt my technique and I'd pedal yeah. the shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's a whole different game when you walk out into the middle, and if you, you know, yeah right, if you, if you get out, you're out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so um yeah so um that that sort of was the. Driving force, really. I, so I took redundancy um, instead of moving to London. Um, most people, including my mother, thought I was mad, um, and uh, sort of, um, you, you know, sold the house and decided, right, well, it's now or never. But sort of before doing all of that, um, I had been trying to work out, well, what what would I do? You know, what would be the business? And yeah. it's all very well quitting your job if you haven't got an idea. And so I, I really, I didn't wasn't sure and didn't have an idea and then my last meeting, literally my last meeting in New New York was with an agency and one of the young guys from the agency based in New York had this big arm um, tattoo and, you know, was wearing a waistcoat and slipped over here and
0: yeah, we yeah, we'd yeah. call him a
1: hipster now, but yeah, pre, yeah. you know, we're post hipster I think at this point. But, totally. like, <laughs> but we were he was pre hipster hipster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um you know, it was, um, I just remember looking at him and he, in the meeting he pulled out a hand cream, which is a woman's hand cream, and he put on. which I thought, I looked at it and I was like, it was a bit strange. And then the next thing, he, later on he pulled out a lip balm and, did this, and again it was a, you know, a generic woman's brand. Do you think he reached peak New York ad agency at that point? No, <laughs> <laughs> I was 2009 or something. Yeah, right, right. 2010. Jeepers. Max, so, you know, it was pretty, uh, but, um, but you know, he was not, he, he, he was just, yeah, no, but I, I remember thinking on the plane on the way home, I was thinking, man, you know, I use moisturiser and there are no good men's moisturiser. Mm, you know? mm, and mm. the reason I used the moisturiser was really through cricket. Um, was this sort of, uh, at a young age, I'd worked out that if I didn't look after my skin, it was, A, I was gonna get really bad sunburn, and, but actually more than that, you know, just um, being in the wind and the conditions all day in the sun, mm, mm. You just wake up irritable and really shitty, right, um, right? And and I actually found that just having a cleaning your face and moisturising and looking after your skin actually really helped your concentration and your performance the next day, which is probably just me covering up my own vanity, but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I do think there was something to it. Yeah, know? yeah. And, um, and you know, by the end of our Twenties, you know, when I was towards my end of my career, all the guys in the cricket team were using moisturisers and products just to yeah, okay, right. You know, so it was we were in you know cricket's probably on the metro. At the, there was that terrible term back then was metrosexual. Oh yeah, we yeah, were yeah, on yeah. The metro, <laughs> metrosexual end of the spectrum. <laughs> I think. So um, amazing how it's changed over the years, isn't it? Yeah, you know? it really is, and you know it's funny um, that that term is such a terrible term, isn't it? Metrosexual. It was just like it was the you know, and it's. One Of those things that I think I set out to really try to change, um, but that's a long way of saying why skincare. Well, I, I guess I sort of put this when I was thinking, well, I the one thought I had is I need some competitive advantage, and I thought, well, actually, I know what a good moisturizer is. You know, mm-hmm. like I, mm-hmm. I, I'd been through using the cheap ones, yes, and, and then through using you know, girlfriends' expensive ones or whatever, or buying, then when I got some money, I bought my own ones and tried. And I've sort of worked out, well, actually, just because it's expensive doesn't make it right for my skin. You know, yep, yep. I, and, and guys tend to want instant hydration. We tend to use it after a hot shower and sort of slap it on. We want it on and gone, not, not applying my makeup or anything afterwards. So there was this whole sort of base knowledge that I felt that I had. Yeah, right. Get me, um, you know, be able to help me develop what I was doing and, and have some competitive advantage. And then I thought the story of, you know, being in the sun all day and looking after your skin was... You know again gave me some advantage um
0: and so how do you how do you then go from that idea knowing you want to develop it to actually creating a product
1: yeah that's a long-winded process too I went around everywhere in New Zealand and this is you know this 2009 and met, met all the people and most of them said yeah yeah, we'll work with you but there was quite a resistance to doing anything really other than what they were currently making and sprinkling a little bit of okay you know, new. New fairy fairy dusting. Right, you know, right, right. Calling it the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Or a different thing, and um, there might be a little unfair, but I, I definitely had that sense mm. when I went around. I was like, I'm not. This is not what I need. Right, um, right. You know, as I was when I was working for Charlie's, I flew to Sydney one. Uh, when you, they're back in the days when you could fly to Sydney, yeah, um, yeah remember that. <laughs> and um, and I um, I stayed on a day and went and checked out a couple of the Australian ones, and I found these two chemists who had just set up a business, and they were like. The irony of it was is I had to go to Australia to find an English woman who was a pharmac- <laughs> or who was a, a formulator and chemist um, who had set up this business and who was all using New Zealand ingredients. and That's awesome. Which had been discovered by French companies. Wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> which was a, this whole sort of roundabout way. But yeah, um, the French company had come down and done the study on New Zealand Maori sort of medicine and right, right, right. plants. And yeah. So, they'd taken a whole bunch away and studied and found some actives, um, you know, pungafern and, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, polysaccharides and panga fern things. So, it was just this instantly I was like, oh, well, this is what I need. And so I stayed on an extra day, and within about uh, a, a, an afternoon, we'd developed probably the first three, the first three directions of yeah, the three okay. products. And so that's sort of how it all happened. And then, um, you know, uh, I always say there was a great marriage because there's a great, we made uh, a scrub and I wanted this. So one of the things I'd been reading, I'd read about a, um Italian um, fragrance designer who had, um, he was making all of these f- f- more masculine fragrances and, mm, mm. and he was talking about, you know, the smell that you get off the, when the summer rain comes off steaming tar and I was like... I, I do know that smell. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 um, right. And, um, and so I was, and that sort of probably started me thinking. Well, yeah. Well, what do I want this smelling and looking and feeling like? Yeah. It's going to be really important for guys. And so, um, you know, the first one that probably set us down that track was the scrub, which, when it first came back, was everything that I asked the formulators for it to do except it was a sort of an off-white pinky colour mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and smelt quite vanilla-y um, and so I said oh look well, that's great I want it to work just like this except I want it to be black and smell like wet concrete <laughs> and, so <the> lady, <laughs> and so the lady goes oh that's not going to work and um, Amanda was the, name, the lady's name and um, so uh, we ended up sort of meeting it about sort of dark grey, and, um, okay, and okay. I think I got my smell pretty much on on the money. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But the idea being that you know, if a guy, if I'm going to convince a guy to use a face scrub, mm. it's got to be you know, akin to rubbing mud on your face, as opposed to sort of dabbing soft rose petals. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and and I think it's to a large extent that really worked. It helped sort of break down a few barriers when it came to market the story and tell the story, and and sort of it also made it, for me personally. Um, easier to say, put my name to it and say hey look I'm using these and making these products because I, I didn't want to you know, it was always high risk to go out and say, "Hey, I'm now I'm a moisturiser user, yeah, and you yeah, guys yeah. should use it too." Mm-hmm, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And so I needed to make it rational and feel right, right, of, right, You know, as manly as I could.
0: So let's let's talk a little bit about how you doing the marketing. And you know, so you, you've you've had the idea, you've come up with the product, you've created the product, and you're, you're happy now with the product. How do you, as a you know, as a as a as a marketer, how do you take that, um, create the story around it, get it into stores? How how does that look from a sales and marketing? perspective? perspective specifically
1: okay well I, well I think I have to go back to Jeff Ross and what I learned at 42 below mm. um, and you know we were talking earlier about 100% pure um, and the first thing I'll say about 100% pure is it's hugely important for New Zealand and, and you know I think to this day we still trade yep, right, maybe, yep. maybe right there, <laughs> yeah maybe rightly or wrongly off of the back of, uh, yeah. of that work so um, it was huge but under Jeff Ross and the 42 below we one of the things I got exposed to was sort of going overseas and trying to tell that story um, and thinking about where um, Purity and New Zealand fitted into the the whole marketing um, story, particularly selling something overseas. Um, And so in doing that, I, um, I, you know, he always said, you know, what we say is not as important as how we say it. Um, And, and he always Talked about, you know, we've we've got to tell great stories, and the way I probably where the penny dropped for me was um, going to America the first time working for Forty Two Below, and um, <coughs> I I'd, I'd sort of vaguely knew of Ben and Jerry's from having lived in London, mm. but mm. I got off the plane in New York, and there was a, a you know a New Zealand ice cream doing pretty well over there, and you know a few big billboards, and then, then but then there was Ben and Jerry's, and and Ben and Jerry's is you know. Two old hippies from Vermont yep, who got yep. together, and um, then they started making this ice cream, which you know you only look at it and you put on a couple of pounds. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, it's Funky Monkey, which you know is banana, but it's got all this other stuff in it.
0: Totally well. right.
1: So what yeah, else yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. You know, Cherry Garcia, which is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the Grateful Dead, and you're like, you know, that's going to be trippy as well. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, like, yeah. and so I just found myself you know, here's this American brand which I'd hardly eaten, which I knew all of this stuff about, and like, yeah, you know, I can yeah. tell you the story about Absolutely. It. And so the penny sort of dropped, it's like, that's a brand? Yeah, you know, yeah. And whereas the New Zealand ice cream, as, much, as great as it was, and the quality of the product, unbeatable, all of that, but it was streams and mountains, it was 100% mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so I, I sort of was always wrestling with this thing, and so I guess my own beliefs developed out of that is like, you must win the category. You know the reason people will buy my moisturiser is not because it's from New Zealand, which has got 100% pure green mountains and yep, small yep. bits running around. Yep. It's because it's the A appeals to them mm-hmm. on its packaging and its look, yep. and B when they use it, it's better than everything else they've used before.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so winning category was really been my focus, and just making sure that when a guy used it, it was better than the one he stole from his girlfriend. It smelled better than anything else he'd used before and it worked for his needs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and was freaking cool, you know? Yeah. Or least, yeah. Or at yeah. least would appeal to some people. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. that's the other thing I do believe is not trying to be all things to everybody, but just being something. You know, if I think of all the brand great brands that I admire, you know, they, they're sort of like the North Pole. Yeah.
0: They're, they're yep.
1: always there, you know? Um, they don't sort of wave around and and sort of try to change for
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Or west or something you know they're just always at the north pole and it's like oh yeah that's yeah. and and that's what i love about great brands it's,
0: in, it's interesting though every, i i think there wouldn't be many people who would disagree with you there but when it comes to their own brand they're really nervous to do things that alienate people
1: you know Oh, it's hard and and what i've got and and if the more you do the less and the more risk there is mm. to what you do next you mm, know so mm, it's a mm. it's a really natural process to become stuck in the mud it's you know as opposed to really bold and 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 sort of clean and clear and
0: you know are your team comfortable with taking that risk do you you, do you allow them to take those kind of
1: risks i think um i think it's a danger for all brands and Mm. i think um Mm. i think the litmus test is if you if you step back and go from your go for your holiday at the beach in January, and you come back and you're like, "God, my brand's boring." You know, mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. My brand's sort of like something else. You know? yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, I think you're. All, I'm always looking, trying to look at it from the side, and go, sure, "We didn't actually. We actually didn't take any risk there at all." You know, and it's not all brands want to take risks, That's the other mm-hmm. thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's taking a risk is the wrong thing because it moves you off where you need to be. You know, uh, so there's. So I think there's a really clear understanding of who we are. So we all every year we start the year with the same session. Who are we? What are we? And we and we track it from day one to now, and there's a clear sort of like evolution of the language. But I think if you put t- today's brand up against the brand, the brief for the brand when it started, and we've done it. They, I feel, yeah, that's the same brand. Yeah. You know? Okay. And okay. We've, you know, some things we've become slicker at or we've changed yep, or yep. whatever, but fundamentally, I feel good. And um, but. But I do think that's part of the challenge. So, which is, you know, trying to not get caught in the trend. Mm, know. Mm. You know, one of the big ones for us is the influencer marketing trend. You know, like there was huge pressure, and we've probably missed the boat on that on some level. But. I, I, I'm yet to really see a grooming brand who has kept capitalized on you know the classic influence. And I think when I look back on it now, there's certain categories that influencer marketing really appeals to and works yep, for. Yep. And the nuances of influencer marketing is people taking Basically, vain shots of themselves looking like the yep. person that's selling the product. Yeah. So, so yep. some products work better for that than others. Mm-hmm. You know? and, yeah, and it's not a crack at influences. Maybe it is mildly, but
0: seems to work well for collagen. Well, that's right. You know, so so there's some waste things, trainers. Waste not trainers, bad. Waste trainers. <laughs> 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 waste trainers yep. yeah, Yeah. Um, protein drinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: and yeah, yeah. You know, um, and, and you know, oh, fair play to them. I mean, that's your audience. But the one thing you can say about influence, that that influence in marketing is they know their audience and they yes. and, and know where their audience is and, and in the end that's all marketing is right understanding where your audience is and getting in front of that audience on whatever platform or, or vehicle or medium
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, is relevant so so when, so when
0: you went you know back to back to launch how did you get close to your customers Apart, you know apart from yourself knowing the product was good how did you, how did you yeah. know where they were and well how'd you go about um, it
1: um, you know, this will this this will break every rule in the book. But it was a <laughs> Good. Gut, it was a gut feel, and I thought there was a gap in the market, and I didn't do any research or ask anyone. I just did what I thought. <laughs> um, and part of me um, thinks, in a weird way, that's almost the only way. In a way, I, I probably would have done more research now mm. just to make sure. Um, but maybe not i mean i think if you've got the first thing i'd say about starting a business if you if it's not f- coming out of you you shouldn't be starting it anyway you know if, if, if it might sound wrong but you shouldn't be thinking about the business idea i, I think that you know that because it's got to be so well formed within you that it's mm-hmm, just sort of mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. out you, know, yeah, and you yeah, just yeah, have yeah. to get it out and have to do it Yep, yeah, yeah. um, and then rightly or wrongly you can tweak it along the way mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and amend it and so for me you know by the time so if I go back one step the bigger aha moment for me was as I was doing this I, I was still struggling with whether it was a, the right move or not and whether the audience would be there um, but what I was trying to think of was, out of fear of losing whatever little street cred I might have had as a cricketer, <laughs> I started thinking, well, if I, um, my granddad shaved and, my, and and he had all these little pots of creams and mm-hmm. lotions and cool little And a badger and brush. A, badger and brush yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. My dad had a can. They sprayed with a with a plastic razor, right? Yeah. Like, somewhere between those two things changed quite dramatically mm, mm. And so, but there was this idea of watching that and understanding this handed down advice, you know, like yeah, yeah. And, yep. and one day I was sitting at my desk thinking, well, if I if I can get shaving as the core point, and then I can get people to clean their face before they shave, mm, like, prep- mm. prepare it and then protect it afterwards, moisturizer, protect it afterwards, and, well that's at least three products, and I threw in a soap and that's four, and you know, I've nearly got a range. Right? So that was where I was Yeah, done. okay, okay. And then, um, so I was thinking hand down advice, and then I literally looked up, and I had this poem, which was actually If, um, from from Rudyard Kipling, on the wall, and um, my dad had given it to me when I was about 13, and we were butting heads a fair bit, and then he must have been down shopping with mum in Auckland and he'd seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I can just imagine he walked off while she was looking at dresses or something and <laughs> walked into a gift shop board and he's seen this thing, didn't know who Rudyard Kipling was, saw it on a park. That'll sort him out. That'll, that'll sort him out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Walked up and anyway, threw it on my dear bed and went, read that boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I, I graffitied all around the outside of it. It's this sort of bronze plaque. But I never threw it away. And, I, and actually, over time, I, we worked out differences out. And, um, you know, I've always kept this poem. And I wow. had, it up, had it up on my wall in the office. And I looked up. And it was sort of like in bold. There was just these words like triumph and disaster. And mm. I was like, shit, that's handed down. This poem is handed down advice. So he wrote it for his son. It's like you know all these great lines. Like if you can meet with triumph and disaster, and treat those two imposters as the same. If you can walk with kings and not lose the common touch, you know, gather up all your winnings and lose it on one coin toss, and never breathe a word of your loss. All you know, it's all this great advice. Yeah, yeah, the last yeah. Last line is you'll be a man, my son. I was like so then I was like oh, that's it that's the name it's like, oh, like, when are you making the movie this has to be a movie <laughs> and so then I just went on and I was just nervous like hour and a half ago, like, went on tried to work out how to trademark names on all these websites around yeah. the world I was like, how do I do this? Like, have I done it? Does, it does that make sense can I even do it in America um, so um, yeah so and that, that once I sort of did that and I just thought nah this is a good story mm, going back to mm, the marketing part yeah. I was like nah it's personal to me it's true there's real insights in it and I am actually passionate about the product yeah and there is a gap in the market and so once I sort of like looked at all that I was I didn't really do any more consumer I didn't overthink it yeah yeah um, yeah I just thought start um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and fix it as I go and I, and I think that's the, in a weird way I would encourage people, it's got to be coming out of you like that. Yeah, uh, right. You've got to have all those sort of boxes ticked, or at least as many as you can. The one thing I would say is, a few years ago I was watching a guy who was an NFL um, Hall of Fame player you know, in right. America, and he just got up and he was talking about, um, begin with the end in mind, um, was his big thing. It's like, you know, I, I started out, this is where I wanted to end up. Here giving the speech, and it was like, and he talked about how you know he the thing that kept him going in his career is he didn't want to be just another NFL player. He wanted to be giving the speech, mm-hmm. um, and so he started with the end in mind. And I just thought, having been through a cricket career where that would have been great advice at the start of my cricket career, I sort of thought sure, it would have been great. The one thing I think I could have done better at the start of a business was think. Ten years from now, which is you know coming up, what would my business look like? What's yes, the out? Yeah. What's, what's the way out? What's the you know? It's, it's easy to dive into a pool. Mm, mm. What, you know, what's the, where's yeah, the yeah, landing yeah. pad when you come back out? Um, and you know that might look like any, any number of scenarios, but I think there's real value in sort of understanding what it is you're you're trying to achieve. Yes. Uh, what yeah. It looks yeah. Like at the end um, and. You know, I've developed. We've 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 since started really developing all of those ideas and working on them, and it's definitely helped. gives the gives the business a sort of momentum and gives mm. the eye level up to yep, where you're yep. trying to get to and what you're trying to achieve.
0: So. So in terms of that would you would you have resourced the team built the team differently or you know is, cause I'm thinking about your your team's quite an interesting you know collection of people with different backgrounds they don't seem very corporate you came out of a corporate background so is that is that something that uh, would it influence your thinking or
1: um, i've sort of learned everything on the hard way and that's probably um, yeah that's that's just probably yeah. You know, i'm probably not smart enough to read it in a book and and and, and beat the system um <laughs> but uh having gone through it you know like five the five year mark was really hard i've i got by accident i got really great staff in year one two and three right we were just you know we were growing at 50 percent a year and you know wow. it was just great stuff everything was going great but but we were still a small business and you start from mm-hmm. zero and you're very Growing and growing, but you yeah. know, we—I was on a plane the whole time. You know, we're finding you know, stores all all over the place, um, but and it was took a lot of energy. But then, what I never had thought about is there's this natural attrition of staff. That no matter how good your brand is, or how great the business is, or how great their jobs are, whatever. People's lives take over. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm, get married, mm-hmm. or they move out of town, or, yeah, they, yeah. or they just want a change of career, or whatever it might be. And um, when that first started happening, I, I just probably wasn't really ready for it, and yeah, you know, probably took some of it personally. You know, you know, some of it I felt let down. Other times, probably I'd let people down, and you know, just hadn't recognised they needed to step up or different job role, right, or right. Um, and uh, so that took a bit of wind out of the sails mm. to sort of like just grow up a little bit and yep. evo- as a company and understand that I oh should actually, you know, just being passionate and being working for a cool brand isn't enough. You actually have mm. to have HR and human resources and, you know, proper job definitions and,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. and
1: chart pathways for people and all, you know, all those types of things. Um, so, you know, now we're 10 years in and I think, you know, that, business the roles within the business have sort of solidified and there's probably a better clarity of pathway and yeah um, and in terms of you know who you're looking for and what you're trying to find is um, you know I think I've become better at letting go and letting people do their job rather than being you know interfering you know, micromanaging yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, playing with my little baby brand you know
0: yeah yeah and as a marketer, that, it, there's
1: nothing harder than working for a marketer. If you're a marketer, you know? <laughs> I think I have one um, one girl who doesn't work for me anymore, but I'm still friends with her, who can attest to that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> She's a. Yeah. She virtually said as much, but um, but yeah, and but you do. It's it's hard to let go. It's hard to make sure and, and learn all those things. But you learn them as a. As you know, so I say, you learn them the hard way if you don't learn them. Yeah. Um, but but I also think um. You know the brand is stronger for having more minds on it and mm-hmm, better mm-hmm. people doing you know things. And you know, part of part of I think starting a business is learning to let go a little bit. So I've been probably that's probably my personal evolve evolve over the last 18 months or so. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, of course, COVID hit and that that changed everything. Yeah, I bet, I bet <laughs> it did. Let's let's talk about let's talk about sales.
0: Um. So, so you're you know you're you're selling all over the world. You're in multiple different places you've got your own stores as well can you talk us through um, I suppose how that evolved at the beginning and and any kind of key learnings you've you've had along the way relating to how you approach sales
1: yeah so before I left Bacardi the person in charge of the brand before me um, did this big study on 42 below um, and said well why, why have we bought this you know why has Bacardi bought this and they did this. You know, it's about a million New Zealand dollars on the study to say what what have we bought you know, right. for the consumers know what are we yeah doing? yeah um and the thing the three things I remember reading this you know, big three report and in the end the conclusion was um, the product looks cool on the shelf looked modern and looked yep. expensive yeah um, it sat next to Grey Goose which was the number one in the category and the, some of the bartenders knew that it was from New Zealand
0: right right
1: so it was sort of like okay. Look great. Yeah. Um, be next to your competitors and educate the sales staff. Got it. Um and I was, and I was thought oh, well that's not a bad place to start. There's your brief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um and, and I still think um I don't think you can spend enough money on design, um, and standing out and being and really breaking the category on some level or evolving the category or really appealing in the category. So I think what whatever you know, I remember um, having being um, someone trying to give me, give me some advice, and they asked me about what I'd spent on my design, and they were horrified. And I was like, "Well, you know, imagine if I didn't spend that much on yeah, my design, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's it's um,
0: you can name any any number of hundreds of brands that you look the same as, you know, yes, that's right. Mm. That's mm. It, mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and you know, like I think um, so. I think the first thing is yeah, really just standing out and knowing, knowing that and being brave, I think, at the outset. Um, and then I think really the second part from a sales perspective is encouraging your sales staff to really fight to be next to number one. You have to be sitting next to or within the visual frame of reference of the one that everyone's already buying
0: so how, how do you how do you do that what does that look like is that is are they you know incentivized on it or oh, is it how do you how do you build that into well, the culture
1: it, yeah well i mean first of all it's you know a sale is not a, is not just getting you to buy something, right? So it's identifying what's a true sale, you know? Like, well, a sale is getting you to buy something and buy six more of it. So once you've sold that one, you've got five more to put on the shelf. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. making sure that, it, that not only that, we've got at eye level on the second shelf that, and we've got actually, where we can, we've got two shelves and that we've got some point of sale and a poster and then say, you know, here's a, full sale here's what a full yes, sale looks like yeah, you've got yeah. all of these things and you know the salesperson's person's name mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. You know, um, you've got an incentive in store for that salesperson, so when yep. they sell x amount of it. and so having this sort of like list of well that's here's a here's a, what a real sale looks like yep. um, and sort of like um you know n- fighting and encouraging the fight for that because you know, there's very few really great salespeople out there, or natural salespeople, who are comfortable going and doing that, and and you sort of just have to keep pushing back. You know, can you can I'm, you talk a bit more about that? So what what do you mean when you say that? Well, most people, no one likes being told no, right? Yeah, and most people don't even like asking, and particularly I think Kiwis. I mean, we're very you know, we're very shy and un you know un we, it's not in our nature to yeah. just sort of go and ask for something more mm-hmm. than what we've already have got. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Um, and so fighting that natural sort of demeanour or natural nature um, is really hard and and takes courage and and it's really the skill of sales. You know, like I, you know, there's that um, the, the the every sort of sales course I try to put my people on. they're always American ones because you know Americans sort of yeah it's just tough at it right oh nice yeah
0: idea. and they love it yeah, they absolutely they, love yeah, it they
1: absolutely love it and and I think you have to convince yourself to love sales you know and you have to pride yourself on all those little things and but also internally I think you have to have a sales culture that celebrates that success and celebrates mm-hmm. a true sale and celebrates what the team have done. Like without the sales, I always talk about the sales as like the gas in your, your, your tank, you know, if, you know, you can have the nicest car in the world, but if, if, it, if there's no gas, it ain't going anywhere. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and sales are the gas in a business, you know, if, you, if you're not out there pushing the, you know, pushing the product and making sure all those things. And look, over time, it's everyone recedes back to that state, you know, so you, it's a tireless tireless effort of pushing out and making sure you're finding new ways to say the same things, fighting for that territory and, and
0: maintaining stuff. that culture.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, um, at times I'll be honest, even with my business, we've wavered in and out. But mm, um, mm. and I'm not a natural salesperson, but, you know. I'm, I so you know it always falls back on on me when it's when I' not happening. But it, I always know it's like going back to your basics. It's like, well, if we're, if we're dropping off, we're yeah, because yeah. we're not doing a little
0: Things. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you make sure you get the right salespeople and you know how do you how do you decide who's who's going to deliver for you?
1: Yeah, oh, I, look, I wish I could give you a really um, great answer on that. Um, I read it in a book once: never employ nodals, non-believers, um, victims, nodules, or non-believers. Um, and it sounds a little arrogant, but actually the reason it's so ingenious is that. The reason that works is each and every one of us can be a victim a or a non-believer at any given time mm, you know, that's mm. just human nature to yep. be any one of those things but if you can sort of if you if a victim sucks all of your energy you know it's not about the brand or the business or the job it's about them they're really yeah, demanding yep, your yep, energy yeah a know is just never going to listen and never going to jump on board and do mm-hmm, the things mm-hmm. In a non-believer, is sort of the same. They just, they're just there for the paycheck and not. Yeah, yep. um, it So, they all have their nuances, and of course, the, so the thing is, I think I try to identify, and you know, when you, I always think of it, do I feel like this person is one of these things? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And if and uh, knowing knowing that we are, each and every one of us can be any one of those things, mm-hmm. right? so mm-hmm. I, it's not, um, you know, pointing at someone and accusing them. It's just saying, well, h- how are we going to manage? This person within the team, yeah, then, you yeah, know, a team that that all dwells more on the victim mentality is going to be have no energy in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Maybe a person who's a bit more of a uh, non-believer is actually going to be more robust, mm-hmm, they're just mm-hmm. just here and a bit more funnier. There, so there's all nuances to it, but I think understanding the overall culture of what you're trying to achieve, having a robustness in your team, um, is really important. Awesome. I, that's a few years ago I would have said that's my favorite word you know robust yeah um, yeah you know it is it is really it's like uh, the, the, you know you want those people that they that, that energy bounces off you know and yeah the, yeah and they bring something to the party
0: mm-hmm. so thing about the last ten years if you look you know you look over the, the whole history of the business what would be some of the sales of the sales and marketing achievements that you're the proudest of
1: um, well i think the first thing we did is we got into the department store with karen walker um that was my first store and i right. think that was a you know, day one was a big big f- i just felt like wow that's almost happened by accident <laughs> and i'm always forever grateful to her and i'm like um you know we um and dan gosling and karen walker and mm-hmm, those guys mm-hmm. set up the department store and, I, and you know I, it, it was just sort of an, a massive endorsement from yeah. lots of cool people and brands. Yeah, definitely, and like space absolutely. And, and I was like, n- you know, everything else after that felt easy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. You could go, you know, no matter where you went, you, you'd, they, they would say, oh, where are you? And you could go, oh, I'm in the department. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the whole conversation changed. And interesting how, how you remember that today. Yes, you know? yeah, yeah. So um, so that was huge. Um, and And I think like, you know, like I just, you know, to this day, I won't hear a bad word spoken about Dan or um, or um, Karen. You know, they just felt very generous of them. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and and big and big. You know, it felt like this is what how Kiwi should look. You know, and and of course the part to that is, you know, I had created a cool brand and I was living yep, up to yep, my part as well. Yep, yep. Wasn't, and sort of why I'd gone to see Karen in the first place is I, I did think if it was shit she would tell me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right <laughs> and I imagine she would oh yeah, yeah 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 it was probably the most nervous five minutes of while, while she tottered around and played with them <laughs> that I've ever had. Um, so that was huge yeah getting that uh, endorsement um, I, I, I remember really clearly doing a trade show in America in about 2012 called Cosmoprof and uh, I was a, and just sitting there and just um, Sixty thousand people flooding through this event center. Oh my god! And just like you know, all these Americans and yeah, yeah. And you know, by the end of day one, I'd repeated my story so many times, and, and that was huge. From because um, I learnt, I can't, that, I just remember, but after about two hours, I was like, I'd worked out. Well, that part I can just stop saying that because yeah, that's just yeah. that's a waste of time. That, yes, you know, and it was a really great way of just working out what's my story. Yeah, uh, and yeah, what works. Yeah, it's yeah. relevant and what do people care about. Um, it's not really answering your question in terms of um, the sales and marketing. I think um, a couple of big wins was um, you know, getting into Selfridges in London. Mm. Um, that was really huge. Yeah. Again, for the same reason, it's just like, you know, it just gives you a flag in the ground that you can say, oh, boy, we're in Selfridges. Yeah, right.
0: Um, and probably validation to you as well of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Um, and, um, you know, in terms of, in terms of the rest of it, I uh, I, I think um, I, you know I still feel in reality that I'm learning and trying to maintain and get better at marketing and understanding my customer and where they are. So I I think I'd be bullshitting you if I said, hey, here's one thing I've done marketing-wise which I feel like has really moved the dial. Mm. I, mean, I think mm. I think going back to those three things. Having a great product that looks great on shelf and sits next, I think we've done that really well. Um, I think we've got a consistency of the language which, with which we talk through our website and through our communication. Yeah, I think we're still searching f- for the the goal, holy grail, um, you know, of um, you know, getting the consumer to answer back and and take our brand and, and mm-hmm, run with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, Jeff Ross always talked about word of mouth marketing as the most powerful marketing of all time, and you know my little story about Ben and Jerry's. Um, <clears throat> it's like I think that you know the the tipping point for my brand will be is if I can get um, someone in New York to say, "Oh, here's this." Yeah, TV yeah, brand yeah, yeah. That's got this made by this ex-guy yeah, who right. played rugby. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally, totally. And, he, and you know, now he's like, you know. I think he was a basketballer, I'm not sure. Poem, and he wrote a poem you know, about <laughs> yes, totally. Kaplan, Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. And, like, and now it's called If, and it's like, and everyone reads it now. Yeah,
0: crazy, yeah, yeah, you know, and, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: and Dennis Hopper read it, and it's like. <laughs> um, yep. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think, I think but, but I still think that's ahead, and and I still think, but I think we're, you know, we're circling the wagons or the horses or whatever to try to get close in on that target. Yeah, know, okay. coming in, and then, and I think that's the challenge. It's um, you know, the the one thing I've seen at both Charlie's and Forty Two Below over the years was, you know, they had the thing that kicked both of those brands off was was one product in their range mm. just became famous, yep. you know, like yep. super yep. famous yep. and yep. just. Overnight, almost, they went... Yeah, yeah. But both of those brands have been doing really cool stuff in a really cool way for quite... And particularly, Charlie's, for a long time. Yes. Before that one moment of yeah, magic yeah, happened, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, in, in a way, my my feeling is, you know, we're, we're still growing really well and, and got big plans, but I do feel like, you know, staying alive long enough for that magic to happen. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah, totally totally, <laughs> especially at the moment
1: <laughs> yeah wow shivers <laughs> hey
0: um what are your thoughts on uh in-housing versus outsourcing what have you what have you learned over the years in terms of what's best to have inside your team or you know what's best to outsource to experts t- uh,
1: externally use the best people you can find that you can afford great yeah and I, if that internal or external i mean Um, it's sort of like you know going back to my I use a lot of sporting analogies my staff will tell you but I think it's a little bit like selecting a cricket team you know like and you're playing in the team so you just want the best players around you that you can get Um, and you know if they can only turn up on Saturday and play for a couple of hours that's probably better than some guy who you know in, in a particular role that's probably better than some guy that can be there the whole time and I think you've sort of got to be able to know your business and know the roles and understand your needs well enough to understand which ones you can do that with and which ones you you actually need someone solid the whole time. That's great advice. That's great (laughs) advice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Alright look, Dion, thank you for a fantastic discussion. Um, it's been really good. I think I think what's what's been fantastic is there's some, some really specific um, piece of advice that you know some of our listeners can take. You I'm not sure if you believe them all, but they, they sounded good to me.
1: <laughs> no, I do, I do believe them. one thing I like is have doing these things is I I find I'm reminding myself I'm talking to myself as much as anyone else. So I go away and I'm like, right, I've said that, now I have to live up to it. Yeah, quite right.
0: All right, this will be on the internet forever.
1: <laughs> hey look, just to end our time today, um,
0: what what would be the single piece of advice you'd leave our listeners with that they could go in action tomorrow? If there was one thing, if they if they just fast-forwarded to the end and heard one thing, what would you leave them with?
1: I would just say start. I think um, stop hesitating and start. If you're thinking about it and it's and been pondering around it and it's and it's eating away at you, just you've just got to start. And I think that you know when I started my business, the biggest fear I always equate it to surfing it's like you know you lying on the board and wait these waves coming in behind you and then at some point like you you know you're sort of pedaling for it and then you catch you feel the wave catch you and then there's this moment where you've actually got to stand up on the face of the wave and that's the critical moment it's sort of like that first sale yeah everything else behind that has been the investment the planning Mm,
0: mm.
1: you know the design all of that stuff yeah 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 um that that cash flow of that first sale coming in and then as soon as you stood up and you're away you know and the money's coming in the money's coming out you can sort of start breathing again yeah Um, yeah, and that just happens naturally but i think yeah, you know, I, I just think if you if you if it's in you, you owe it to yourself to start um, and if just get better at your job. Awesome, awesome, <laughs>
0: mate. Thank you, really appreciate it. Awesome, Thanks mate, so much. Man. Cheers. No Thanks, Dion. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. If you liked it, you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app for fortnightly episodes. For expert help growing your sales, find out more about The Growery at thegrowery.co.nz. And to find other shows that you might like, go to podcasts.nz.